Yo, what's happening, people? It's Tendo. In this episode, I had the pleasure of sitting down with two individuals of such high caliber. Ree Smith is someone who I've known and played hockey with since the age of 11. He has represented England and Great Britain at all junior international levels, which has included him playing in the Junior World Cup in 2016 and winning player of the tournament at back-to-back junior international competitions in 2017 and 2018. That's not bad. He's currently a professional athlete within the Great Britain hockey squad and is making big moves with his community interest company, Hockey in the City, but more of that in the episode. Marcia, on the other hand, is someone who I personally now want to make my hockey mum. She's an outstanding mother and lawyer and in 2019 was crowned as BBC's London Unsung Hero. Marcia attended the BBC Sports Personality of the Year Awards in Aberdeen in December 2019, where she was honoured on stage with all the other regional unsung heroes. Isn't that amazing? Cool. That's enough from me now. Let's get into the episode. So, I guess just to start it off initially, um, there's a feature that we start each episode off with, and it's called What's Happening at the Root. So, this is where we try and find out a little bit more about our guests, a little bit more about their taste, their likes, dislikes, all that sort of stuff. Wow. Um, and the way it works is we get, um, I'm going to give you a sentence and I want you to finish it off. So the sentence, Oh my God, so no pre-warning either. No, 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 no. no. So I'll, we can't <laughs> rehearse this no, bit. No, no. Intentionally, I'll tell you as before. So the, the sentence is, the country I would love to play my sport in is, Reese, you can go first. Brazil. Brazil. I don't know why. Oh, that okay. was the first thing that came to mind. Okay. <laughs> any any reason why hot. Brazil? It's just hot. Yeah. It's just hot, warm. You got the carnival there. Mm-hmm. I've never been to Brazil. Mm-hmm. I want to visit South America. Mm. So if I can take that off while playing hockey, might as well. I like that. And I, like I didn't that. want to think about it for too long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought just it was supposed to be a quick thing. fire thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what about you, Marcia? Well, as soon as you say country, it's got to be Guyana. So we're in the same okay. continent, Reese, because of course I was born in Guyana. Okay. Um, I haven't been home. I still call it home because mm-hmm. that's what Guyanese people do. If you're, uh, I haven't been home for a long time. Mm. They have a hockey federation. They play hockey. Okay. So if, if I was going to go and play hockey in another country, it would have to be Guyana because it would mean I was going home. Okay. So when did you move here? Oh my gosh, as a baby, I was born in Guyana okay. um, in in the late 60s, so I am your elder. Um, <laughs> I, my mum and dad both came over to this country to study. Mm-hmm. My mum as a teacher, my dad as a lawyer, mm. and as soon as they could, they sent for me and my sister. So I was yeah. uh, a three and my sister was a baby, yeah. um, but in my younger years, we went home to Guyana a lot yeah. um, during the summer holidays, mm-hmm. but... And, and Easter, but I haven't been back for a while. So okay. I would definitely want to go and play hockey in Guyana. That's really interesting. And would you say you have like much of a connection? To oh, completely. Yeah. Um, in, in, uh, so I have much of a connection because, um, the diaspora in this country is, uh, huge. I mm. have a huge, uh, Guyanese family. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 um, the Guyanese community in London and in fact across England and the UK is yeah. pretty huge. Um, yeah. There are lots of us in Southwest London. Mm-hmm. There are lots of 
Guyanese events, uh, dances, community events, gatherings, speaks, talks, yeah, yeah. pages on Facebook yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that connect us all. So yeah. I've never lost my connection with Guyana. Uh, that's, that's really good to have. That's really, really good to have. Yeah, I guess with this episode, um, on this podcast, we're big on challenging mainstream notions of success. So <clears throat> challenging unhealthy ideas of what it actually means to be successful and I guess when we're looking at sports, hockey in particular, um, there's this idea, and I wouldn't necessarily say it's, it's false, but essentially there's a, a setup where fame individuals from working class backgrounds are neither well represented nor afforded the opportunity to, partic to participate in certain sporting activities, um, hockey being one of them. And so the reason why I wanted to have you guys on in particular is to present the work that you guys have been doing with Hockey in the City and Spencer Links and to present initiatives that are seeking to bring about more balancing opportunities um, and participation in sport and obviously we're talking about hockey. Um, so yeah, I guess just to start off with, like, I want to know a bit about how both of you got into hockey in the first place because for me anyway, definitely outside of the hockey sort of bubble that I'm a part of, any person that I go up to and say that I play hockey, like, they're just like, wow, I've never seen a black man play hockey. Like, <laughs> that, that's the first sort of response. So it's like Reese and I went to school together, but like, our, I guess our reasons for getting into hockey would probably be quite different. Um, yeah. So, like, Reese, like, how, how did you end up getting into hockey? So, I got into hockey because I wanted to find an activity to do at lunchtime that wasn't football. Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, I play football and uh, as a younger, playing with the oldest, mm -hmm. it, it wasn't fun times. You know, <laughs> they'd boot your ball. Yeah. <laughs> they were just annoying. Yeah. So they would just boot your ball away. Yeah. And that punt about when they kick it down the hill. It's a long hill to Southfield. <laughs> Trust me. Um, so. That's like Whitgift for those um, that don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a big hill. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to find something that I could do at lunchtime. And at the time, hockey was a, quite a big sport in the school. Mm. Um, there was definitely a buzz around the sport. They just started winning national titles. There was a lot of junior representation at the national level. And that was kind of the, the next thing to do. It was very easy to do, very mm. accessible. You just went down, sticks and balls are provided. You just needed a pair of trainers um, and you could go on a pitch and play. Mm. So that's how I got into it. Yeah. What about you, Marcia? Well, um, so, as I said, I came to this country um, from Guyana, and um, my parents' uh, uh, primary uh, concern when mine and my sisters were growing up was our education. Mm. And education came first. But mm. I went to a state primary and state secondary school, Catholic, in southwest London in Clapham, okay. Lara Trait. Mm -hmm. um, and... At the time, um, our school played a lot of sport and mm -hmm. all kinds of sports. So I learned netball, uh, uh, tennis, um, hockey, gymnastics at mm -hmm. my school. And uh, our school had a hockey pitch, a grass pitch back yeah, then. Yeah. And I learned to play hockey there. Mm -hmm. And it was just one of the things I did at school. And it, 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 I was thinking about this because I went to the funeral of a cousin last week and mm -hmm. I found out as you do at funerals that she played lacrosse and hockey at her school, Priory mm -hmm. Park School in mm -hmm. Stockwell. Yeah. 
And so back then, schools played sport, which is one of the big problems now. State schools played sport. So yeah. my school played sport. Now, after I finished school, I went on to study law. Mm-hmm. And law is one of the professions that plays hockey. So when okay. I... And again, I didn't know this particularly, but when I turned up at my first lecture and you're signing up to play sports, mm-hmm. lots of people, there was a, a, a law a hockey team. So mm. you joined the hockey team. Mm. Then when I went to, to my first firm as a trainee, mm-hmm. that firm was playing against other law firms. So I continued playing hockey mm. um, because I chose a profession that, because it was my dad's profession and yeah. again education was what we did mm. so through my life i have had the opportunity mm. not through seeking it out to first play mm. learn then continue mm. playing hockey so when i had children of course the first thing i wanted them to do was play hockey yeah i had a girl first now i always wonder if i had a boy first would i have gone down the football rugby route yeah But yeah. because I had a girl, I thought, well, she's going to play hockey. Yeah. And that's what then got me into uh, hockey for children. Yeah. So that's that's how I got into it. That's really interesting. It's, I find it quite intriguing how you mentioned how, like, law. Well, sport, hockey's one of the sports that's played um, in, like... By lawyers, yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess it kind of says... It tells something because... <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I guess law is deemed as, like... Well, it's, it's a very, like, credible It's It's profession. a top profession. It yeah. is one of the top professions. It is one of the professions where, again, you find, when I was growing up, and even now, very few black people. Mm, mm. In fact, you find more black people doing law because it is a profession that aspirational uh, families, mm. mothers and parents, for whom education is important, mm. it is that sort of, you will be a lawyer, a doctor, Mm. a teacher an engineer yeah you know anything medical yeah that's what you're going to do and that's definitely what my parents said mm. there was there was no choice yeah. about uh, it yeah. and in fact uh, even though my school had all this sport on offer mm-hmm. sport was something that we were allowed to do but as long as it didn't interfere with our education yeah. um but as i said i didn't my mum and dad didn't know that lawyers played hockey i didn't know that but they mm. played hockey and softball so yeah. those were the two things that i continued yeah yeah that's that's really really interesting like reese for you um obviously you said that you got into the sport because you just wanted something to do at lunchtime when do you think like your is there a moment you can pinpoint where like your passion for it began to began to grow Um, and like, yeah, where do you think like the passion for the sport stemmed from, like for you? Uh, I don't think I could say there was like a uh, a time to pinpoint um, where like the passion grew. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, at, at Whitgift, it was a there was a hockey buzz, mm. and it was ever present throughout all the years I was there. Mm. so I think I've never not had a passion for it like ever since I've gone there there was a strong sense of community within the lunchtime sessions Mm. Um, you were able to chat to people older than you younger than you you felt like you had a lot of friends and it it was cool Mm. uh, (laughs) to to have friends in different year groups 
And also the fact that it was like a production line for Junior Internationals. I just, I was just like, well, yeah, I'm going to, to do that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I think ever since I started, I've always loved the sport for mm. that sense of community, for the fact that you're playing with like your best friends at lunchtime. Yeah. So it's never really um, died down when I, never really died down when I was at school. Mm. Um, some of the points that I remember were coming back from one holiday, um, having had a fitness program over the holiday, summer holidays that our coach, Mr. Ray Wiscoff, gave us. Yeah, yeah. And knowing, coming back and having everyone say, wow, like you're in really good shape, Reese, and mm. you're, you're fit. And that kind of gave me extra motivation um, mm. to continue playing hockey. So I, I guess that's definitely um, a moment in time where I, w- that I remember. Um, yeah. Other moments would be when I didn't get selected for a GRPC um, like regional stuff in my oh, I didn't know in, that. In my first year. I always well, thought that you... I was doing it... Uh, I did it a year young in my first year. Okay, yeah. And I didn't get selected for... Uh, I got selected for like Southwest or whatever it is. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then didn't get selected for South. Mm-hmm. And, and then I remember that that was like quite a annoying time for me, quite frustrating time <laughs> a for blow. me. A blow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I cried actually. I think Jay Bodie remembered me. I think I was crying about him. I don't know why I cried. <laughs> well, it was important. It was important to you. It was important to you, Reese. I yeah, no, these like, knock these knockbacks are important. They're important I developmentally. Because, I think it was because I don't feel like I put myself out there on uh, like I knew I didn't deserve to get picked, mm. and everyone was like, "No, but Reese, like." You should like you're you're sick. Like you mm. should be going to this, and I was like, I know I'm sick, but I didn't <laughs> do what I needed to do, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I just started but, crying. But actually, do you know what? It's better to cry because you know you didn't do your best than to cry when you think you've done everything you could have. And you still didn't get selected. Mm. That's, those are worse tears. When you know you've underperformed and you mm. think, oh my God, I could have done better. Those are better tears because there's something to aim for. Yeah. But if you know you've put everything into something and you still haven't got selected, that, that's a worse place to be because then you don't know where to go next. Yeah. I don't really agree with that yeah. personally. Do you not? Just be- No, just because... If you put everything into something and you know you've put everything into something, which I think in itself is quite difficult to fully know because you can always do more. Like, mm, mm, it's mm. quite hard to say I, I did it. Um, then you know you've reached your potential and you fulfilled your potential and you're just not good enough for something. Like Unless so there are external barriers. Unless there are external barriers that have prevented you from going further. Of course, but then that's not you crying based on you putting all your effort and not being good enough. That's you crying because there are Blockages. other things, other factors affecting your progression. Mm. So, mm. but I think f- for me, if you, if you haven't put yourself out there and it's, it's down to you, I think that's worst is it's like, you've let yourself <laughs> down. Like you've, been, I don't know, afraid of the situation or lacking confidence or feeling a certain way that has prevented you from doing what you know you can do. I think 
I feel worse in that situation and I have felt worse in that situation because I've done it many times after that mm. than putting myself out there and not getting selected for something. Mm. Yeah. Well, I guess like on this note of like, um, I guess like disappointments and, and, and all that sort of thing. For me, like, I guess reflecting on the times that we had in school, because obviously you were in the year above me and everything you're saying about like the community and like the lunchtime sessions, like it was such a good time. And I guess for me, looking at you as like a guy in the year above, for my peers, like everyone, every hockey player in my year and like the years below, it was like, yeah, Reese, like he's that guy. Like he's gonna, he's gonna get somewhere with this thing. If there's anyone, it's gonna be him. Um, yeah, like was that something that you always saw? Like, do you pinch yourself now and you're like, wow, like I'm a professional athlete for Great Britain? Or was it something that you always saw coming? I think in school, I didn't, didn't see it happening because I didn't really know you could do it professionally and like mm. how it worked. Mm. So I wasn't really focused on that. And especially at school in that environment of academia and it's like after week, if you go to university, mm. you graduate, you get a good job. Mm. It wasn't really on my mind until I kind of got to the level where I was good enough to get in to the uh, GB side and mm-hmm. started to then think about okay this is a, a, a potential mm-hmm. at school I was just playing because I love playing hockey and yeah. also it was like the thing to do like if you were good at hockey you got to play for England the 16s you got to play for England the 18s and the people I looked up to in school did that mm-hmm. so I was like that's what I have to do yeah yeah no, I, I, I hear that a lot definitely the same for me as well like I think once I began to see like people in my year um, representing England at under 16 and under 18 level, um, I was kind of like, oh, like, I'm not too far off the mark for these guys. And then like just being in that sort of environment, it just causes your aspirations to kind of look in that sort of direction, which I think is such a great thing to have. Um, for sure. Yeah. Like Marcia. Um, yes. There was a video that I saw um, of you winning the BBC Sports Personality Awards in 2019. We're here at Spencer Links Hockey Club, but we are about to present Marcia with her unsung hero trophy. But she thinks we're here because she's been shortlisted, so we're going to make it a surprise. Marcia set up the Spencer Hockey Club for local children. She says it can help them on and off the pitch. This sport we love, um, and that we know is great for children, wasn't reaching everybody who it could reach. And so about two years ago, myself and a couple of mums got together and said, what can we do to bring the sport to a new audience? Ready? I'll give you a number now, you're gonna to go to Joe. On the first Sunday, we knew that it was the right thing. We knew that we'd, had, we'd attracted a set of children who were passionate about learning this new sport. Well done. But with over 600 members, running the club is no easy task. She coordinates over 100 volunteers who help to run the club, but she runs the whole thing. It's no exaggeration to say none of this would be possible without her. I think she's got a very good way of, in a very nice, gentle way, of getting people involved. We've had children saying they can't wait to come back on Sunday and uh, they wish they'd always played hockey. And thanks to this hard work, she is the winner of London's Unsung Hero Award. Oh, 
believe it. I'm speechless. We started this just not knowing what would happen and you know we've got 47 kids here today. I'm grateful, I'm thankful. We just wanted to bring hockey, the sport we love, to a wider audience. I, I absolutely loved it because firstly because it was they surprised you with it. Yes, they like did. <laughs> your reaction, like it was just so heartwarming, like and it just made me feel so good inside to seeing something <laughs> so positive being rewarded like nationally. Thank um, you. Yeah, like how how did that feel? Oh, um it 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 was it was an amazing feeling. I think that um my uh co-founders Donna and Charlotte uh, nominated me for the London Unsung Hero Award mm -hmm. and they told me over a coffee one day and they told me in a very matter-of-fact way mm -hmm. uh, oh by the way we've nominated you and I told them off first of all for mm -hmm. nominating me without telling me but then we all really just put it aside had a bit of a laugh about it and thought it won't come to anything. I am a huge sports fan, not just hockey, all sports. Yeah. And Sports Personality of the Year has been something that has been part of my up life, upbringing, mm. for as long as I can remember. You know, I mm. have watched it with my parents, you know, so I know the unsung hero bit. Mm. I mean, in, in as much as you know it's coming, you don't really concentrate on, on it because you're waiting for the sports personality bit. But... Yeah. Um, and so then when weeks later they said that I was shortlisted to five, we then again um, had a laugh about it, but thought, well, shortlisted to five, you know, it, it, there'll be five, four other fantastic people. They are never going to pick me and hockey. Mm -hmm. And then they, they, they were very crafty when they said, you know, we're visiting all to make short videos so that the judges can um, look at all of the videos so they they came to one spencer link session uh, interviewed me interviewed some of the children interviewed some of the parents and then right at the end of the session uh they literally presented me with the award so my reaction literally was uh, really and 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 all i could think of is uh, you know they've recognized links that's fantastic mm. gosh we better make links as best as it can be now because yeah. i've been recognized and then all i kept thinking is i'm going to sports personality of the year yeah. because having watched it all of my life to then think that i'm going there mm -hmm. was was huge so yes but um you know it put spencer links uh you know like reese Everything I do now is about promoting Spencer Links because, yeah. you know, we are a charity, mm. we need funding and mm. anything we can do that that increases the audience uh, uh, of what we're doing mm. and puts us out there is a good thing. And it definitely put us out there for that for that period in 2019. No, that's love. It was it was so great to see. Like, I absolutely loved it. Um, yeah, it, it was amazing. Uh I guess like going a bit more into both of your initiatives, that like Hockey in the City and Spencer Links. Um, when was the first, well, if you, like, Reese, do you mind sharing a bit about the heart behind Hockey in the City, like what it is and, yeah, like why you started it? Uh, so Hockey in a City is a, not a charity, but it's a community interest company mm -hmm. set up with the intention of increasing accessibility of hockey and everything we do has that kind of root um, 
any kind of project we do, any uh, session we do is, is all with, with that in mind. Mm. Um, and giving people the opportunity who wouldn't normally have the opportunity to play hockey. Mm-hmm. So it came about from when I was at university mm-hmm. and I had um, a lot of frustration for the lack of representation of people from my area at Durham University mm-hmm. and I was chatting to my friend about it and he, he was from North London and we were both complaining and we were just very frustrated and wanted to do something about it because mm-hmm. it's not due to lack of you know ability, it's due to lack of opportunity. Mm-hmm. So we're like, we're thinking about potentially doing some mentoring schemes, some just raising awareness of, of what's out there. Mm. And he said on to do two more years at university. I yeah. left. I saw the platform I had as, as a senior international athlete mm-hmm. and the traction I was getting from certain freestyle videos uh, and the impact it can have on young children. Mm-hmm. And Hockey in the City came about from that. My mom yeah. said, you should go back into your school and do some coaching. Um, I had some chats with a lot of people around the same time, like from my auntie. Mm. Um, I had chats with Marcia. Uh lady called joe brown and i don't know when it create was created but mm. all of that made hockey in the city yeah um and so yeah at the moment we're doing uh, we're in my old primary school and we're looking to expand and give more people the opportunity to play hockey yeah no i love that what about you Marsha? what would you say um was the heart for you but behind starting Spencer Links? So um, I said earlier that my daughter started at Spencer when she was six years old mm-hmm. in the under sixes mm-hmm. and um, I went along with my husband and she joined as a player. Mm-hmm. I think within three weeks I had started volunteering mm-hmm. um, because I, I've got a great organisational heart and mind. And if somebody asks me to do something, if I can do it and if I can see a way to mm. make things better, I'll do it. Mm. Uh, and uh, my daughter's going to be 21 this year. So that's how many years ago that was. Yeah, yeah. Um, with, within many years being a volunteer at uh, Spencer, I started off as just a volunteer, then a group manager, then... I organized all the volunteers and it, and it finally year on year on year with three children at Spencer, uh, I became, uh, one of the main people who ran Spencer Juniors. Mm-hmm. Now, after many years of running Spencer Juniors, um, Spencer is in Wandsworth and mm-hmm. it is uh, a club that when I joined had about a hundred and 150 members. Mm-hmm. As of last season, it had 600, just under 600 juniors. Well, yeah. And year on year on year, I was doing all of this work for Spencer juniors because I loved hockey, mm-hmm. loved the club, loved my children playing hockey. But what I knew in my heart is that I was doing all of this, but my community, people mm-hmm. like me mm-hmm. were not playing hockey. Yeah. And didn't have the chance to play hockey and the way the club was set up mm. with the membership and, um, uh, you know, you, you had to know about hockey to get into the club as a six year old. Mm. And then the only other opportunity to join the club was through trials. And you could only really come to trials if you were playing hockey. Yes. So it was this circular, um, 
chicken and egg scenario. Mm. You either had to know about hockey and going back to professionals, who knows about hockey, yeah. people who have played hockey, mm -hmm. people who are professionals, then have children and want their children to play hockey. Mm. Um, and so people from state schools mm -hmm. who had no hockey on the curriculum, no hockey watching on television, didn't see people like me or Reese in hockey yeah yeah why would they why would they want their children to join hockey why would they want their children to start hockey yeah and then if there was any inkling of hockey as their children got older mm. and they came to spencer they'd then have to join trials yeah which they would never succeed in so yeah, yeah. over the years i knew i had to change this mm. and i was just very lucky that i had some like-minded um mums who were yeah. also volunteers and we we looked at all the other outreach schemes that were there mm -hmm. but we knew for spencer we had to do something that gave state school children in Wandsworth the opportunity to play hockey mm. and be coached in hockey for a very long time, i.e. two years, mm. to give them the confidence, the skills, and the love of the sport. Yeah. And our aim was we teach them hockey, we give them hockey as a sport, we give them hockey as a, a passion, mm. and from that they can then join Spencer Juniors yeah. and then have hockey for the rest of their lives. Yeah. That's amazing. And that's how links came about. Yeah. No, I really do like that. Because I guess from what you were describing before, it's like the, the way the system was set up, it doesn't necessarily help anyone that's new to the sport succeed. Yeah. Essentially. Absolutely. So, yeah, I really do like that. What you're creating is like a pathway into them. A, then a, a pathway into Spencer. Yeah. And we then create, we give them the pathway, but we create the openings as mm. well. So... Yeah. Our children, our Lynx children, having had the coaching and got the passion and gained the skills, yeah. can then join Spencer yeah. after their two years. And we've then made Spencer, uh, we've, we've changed Spencer so that there are then the openings mm. for them to progress if they want to. Yeah. But you know, Tendo, like Reese, even if they don't want to, mm -hmm. for two years, they've had sport skill. Yeah exercise mm. um uh, you know so they've had all of that yeah and um and we all know what hockey can give you mm -hmm. we all know it's not just the sport it can give you so much more mm. um so uh we're hoping that even if those that don't want to continue with hockey at spencer mm -hmm. they've got something even if it means they just turn it on the tv and watch it yeah that's yeah. a good thing yeah yeah definitely I think it's also just having that, you know, they've had the opportunity to say no to it as well. Yeah, absolutely. True. True. Right. So true, true Reese. yeah. No, um, they, 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 they've, they've, and, and again, going back to when I was growing up, I had the opportunity to do these things. And I think of state schools now where, mm. gosh, sport is lacking so incredibly and if i'd if i'd won sports personality of the year i had a long speech to talk about <laughs> the lack of sport yeah. um and how sport has just been left to 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 suffer in schools mm. so that it is now just private schools that yeah. are playing not just our sport but so many sports mm. um so um yeah we we give these children the opportunity to either fall in love with it or say actually yeah. you know 
no thank you but thank you yeah no that's that's really great um that whole system is ridiculous so no it just gets me annoyed because you have private schools and you know we went to private school with your school and you can play so many sports there and you can mm. do all of it for free and squash when am i ever going to play squash you, I haven't played squash, squash. like since I left yeah. Wicked, I can't lie to you. <laughs> squash, racquetball. Yeah, like, like I did fencing there. Fencing, yeah. You could try everything. And then you go into, you know, state and I can't really talk for uh, state secondary schools that I haven't got um much experience there. I know a little bit about them, but I know state primary schools, the funding is abysmal. Mm. Like we've just had our funding cut um from from the primary school. Because through COVID, like they just haven't got uh, the, the funds to keep up with things, mm. and the fact that the government were trying to cut uh, pupil premium, which is the funding that schools get um, for for sport, which is around sixteen thousand pounds a year, and that's for the whole school. Mm. Um, that's for equipment, uh, paying after school coaches. You've got what uh, from re- from reception to year six, so that's maybe seven reception year one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, seven years. Um, sometimes two classes in each in each year, and you've only got sixteen thousand pounds, which is like one pupil's tuition mm. in Whitgift, mm. right? And it's just mm. ridiculous how wow, when you put it like you that, have yeah. all that money, you yeah. don't get to play a smart sport, um, you don't get the the same quality of coaching. You probably have people coaching who, you know, aren't have so many other sessions they can't put all their effort into one session or mm. it's just um it's very frustrating and yeah. it, it intrigued me before because Marcy you said that uh, very much at the start of this you were like we had so much opportunity to play sport in state schools back in the day yeah what? but why can't like, why has that happened well why is there still not the opportunity and why is it so limited to football cricket mm. like it's just, I don't understand why Mm. And and this is um, when we were on one of the England hockey forums uh, talking about diversity and inclusion. One of the things the chairman said is, uh, you know, England hockey are here to fix hockey, but sport generally and access to sport and availability to sport is a bigger problem. And I, I do agree with that in schools, because as I said, my cousin played lacrosse in the 70s in her school in Stockwell. Yeah. I, I literally do not know any state school that is playing yeah. that sort of sport. And, and it, it is where the problem started. Mm. You know, I, th- I think of my cousins in Mitcham playing basketball and touring the country. We used to go and watch my cousins play basketball. So it definitely is where the problem started. A, the cut in funding to, you know, things like sport, drama, Mm. art, uh, music, uh, to state schools. That's, that's the diabolical side of where we find ourselves now. And, and it's people like Reese and I through, links and hockey in a city who are just trying to address the balance yeah. in hockey yeah. in as much as we can do but tendo there's no money available for it yeah. everything oh. we do we have to generate our own money yeah. um and you know what spencer links does is we have a hockey club on sunday the same day that we run spencer juniors 
but it's just for the Spencer Links children, just for the state schools in, in Wandsworth and Lambeth, for the year five and year six children. But we have to provide everything mm. uh, because we have to take down the barriers to access. So it's free equipment, free clothes, free coaching. Mm. But that costs a lot of money. Yeah. And so uh, one of the things I've learned over the last three years with Spencer Links is that it's not only just providing it, fundraising is now a big part of what I do mm. um, and what we do mm. uh, the trustees of Spencer Links yeah. almost weekly we're looking for new funds yeah. so that we can continue this small little thing we're doing mm. to change the face of what Spencer Hockey Juniors and other junior clubs will look like mm. in the future <laughs> someone listening could probably be like well why all of that for hockey like why why like why why do you care so much so I guess my question to both of you is what opportunities has hockey given you that make you want to encourage kids to play this sport rather than say other popular sports like basketball or rugby or football something like yeah like Reese like well it's, it's not it's not just about well, it's, it's such a uh, I guess complex question to answer mm. because when you first say that my, my first thought is it's not just about like you say playing hockey it's like at the primary school I'm working at mm-hmm. uh, they have football which mm-hmm. is the main sport mm-hmm. and fo- they only have a certain amount of places for football they've got so few uh, spaces for football that they have to change who's doing the football club each term and you can't do it for more than one term mm. in one year mm. so you then have to go outside of school to get stuff so one thing it's just giving other people the, like people the opportunity to play sport that wouldn't be playing any other sport mm-hmm. so that's mm-hmm. why at Hockey in the City when we're picking the people to be a part of our club it's like well one obviously talent and ability mm-hmm. two um, are they playing any sport will it be beneficial for them mm. um, because it, it's not just about playing hockey it's about playing sport in general playing with your playing with your teammates playing with your friends mm. because what it taught me coaching was when I first went in there, I was like, I'm going to train up all of these guys to be super, super really like, good at <laughs> yeah, hockey. Yeah. And then I quickly learned that you have certain people that will be like that and are very much like elite mindset, like very driven, mm. uh, pick up the sport really, really well. And that's cool. But some people, I'm not saying I've given up on them, but mm. I'm like, it doesn't matter if they're good or not. Like, yeah. I, they can hold a stick. Obviously, they hold it like, <laughs> you can't use a back stick, but yeah. Yeah. You know, they can be quote unquote like not that great, but their enjoyment and their fulfillment from playing, from having people oh. that really care about them, mm. is is way more. Um, it, that's what the meaning is behind it. It's just working out, you know, what it is they they want to get out of it. Mm. Uh, some people are doing it to, to play competitive. They are driven by being as good as as they can at the sport. They want to develop and technically develop. Mm. Other people love going out, having a chat with their friends, mm. having a, a, a banter with the coaches and just being, you know, having their mind open to a new sport. Mm. It's something and, and to have so, for yeah. that week. It's something to have, isn't it, Reese? Mm. Because like Reese, when we do our talent spot sessions, which is what we're about to embark on now with mm-hmm. another set of year four children in 11 uh, primary schools, um, we 
look at children who um, are on pupil premium, are on free school meals, don't have any other sport. We we select our children not just on who is going to be a fantastic hockey star. Mm. You know, some children just come up to me and say, Miss, you know, Maya in year five says it's such a great club and I would really like to join. Mm. And I just put a tick by their name, enthusiasm. Mm. But when they join, when they come from the September, they're coming from 10 or so different schools, you know, maybe five from this school, six from that school. Mm -hmm. They're coming and they're meeting children from other schools meeting families from other schools, um, learning to listen mm. and uh, learning a new sport, um, learning about fitness. They they have something that they can go to every Sunday. Mm. And for some, it's the only hour and a quarter of exercise they may have for the week. Mm. They get a stick, a kit, stickers, um, mm. and this will be the first time they've been given something. Yeah, yeah. And so um, for some, like Reese, you can tell straight away those boys and girls who are in it to become hockey superstars. Yeah. But you can also tell the ones who just want to come along and chat, who just want to come along and meet Reese or meet Emily, Mm. our ambassadors, Mm. because they've never met anyone like them before in their lives. Yeah. Um, And it it is a buzz for them to be coached and taught by these people. Yeah. Or to have their picture taken with them. Yeah, definitely. Um, And, you know, during the pandemic or when we have to cancel a session because uh, the pitch is frozen. We literally have parents saying, you know, X, Y, Z is distraught. They don't Mm. have hockey this Sunday, Mm. Um, you know. And um, during the pandemic, we've been amazed by how many children have gone to our online sessions Mm. because they still, they they want to be there every Sunday. So, um, you know, it, it really is important that we're not just doing this to create hockey superstars Mm. we're doing it because uh the sport is such a great sport i can't think of another sport that women and men can play from six to literally 96 (laughs) you know you have vets super vets grandmasters great grandmasters (laughs) and what what other sport can do that i've always said that i've I've always championed hockey because i just think boys and girls can learn so much Mm. from not only the skills but the 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 sport the uh the team sport the team sport element of hockey yeah that you can play boys and girls together Mm. uh and and you learn so much from that as well. Yeah. And and that you can play throughout your life. And and again, you know, when I tell some of these girls and boys that I played it as a lawyer, they literally look at me and say, "You were a lawyer." Mm. You know. And again, it gives them something else to think about. Exactly. Exactly. And I think as well because I haven't had any experience coaching with Spencer Links, but I was coaching with Reese for a while at hockey. We can change that, Tendo. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll give you a call <laughs> afterwards, don't worry. <laughs> um, but I think for me, so like, I guess, so similar to Reese, I started playing hockey at Whitgift um, from the age of like 10, 11. Um, did junior international stuff, got to represent England and all that was really great. And then I guess my coaching sort of journey started when I was around 18, um, I was coaching at Evo Hockey and that was really cool because I guess the way they used to um, 
brand and advertise everything was like we have this international Nintendo community, England under 18 slash, and like, I think for me at that time, um, it was, it just tickled my ego just a little bit and I quite liked it. Um, but then having coached with hockey in the city, I think it was really eye opening for me, especially seeing you, Reese, and like your, like sitting down with you and seeing like your thought process behind each session. Like, there's a why behind everything that we're doing. It's not we're running the sessions to make the best hockey players, but then actually, we're giving these kids an opportunity to play sport and for them to have that um, platform in which they can have their release, whether it's through training really hard or talking to a friend, meeting really cool individuals um, and hearing like feedback from like parents and teachers about like how engaging in the hockey sessions has actually helped the kids like perform better in class and like actually feel more confident about themselves. Like I've got a sport that I can actually do well in, whereas before sports that weren't offer um i didn't necessarily like work towards my strengths um so that's definitely one of the things that i have really cherished from working with you at hockey in the city and it's like definitely impacted my thought process going into like any other coaching that i do whether it's at like an elite performance camp or a more recreational type session um but one thing I, I do want to touch on is, and I want to ask you guys is, were there ever any moments where either of you felt isolated being one of the few, if not only, if not the only representative from your background when you're playing um, hockey? Okay, so let, let, let me tell you a story from an elder. When I was working at a law firm, um, no matter how in, uh, confident I was about my ability mm. and no matter how confident my parents made me to be a strong black woman professional mm. girl mm. um it took me a long time to meet clients because yeah. when they spoke to me on the phone, mm. uh, and this isn't even my posh English accent, mm. for a very long time, people had no idea I was black. And in mm. fact, I remember once when I said um, that I was going to Barbados mm. to follow the cricket, a client said, oh my gosh, we're doing appallingly in the West Indies. And I said, well, we're not doing appallingly at all. Mm. And he said, what do you mean we're? And I said, well, I support the West Indies. And he said, what on earth for? And I, at that moment on the phone, I said, well, I'm black. Mm. And it, it, there was that sort of 10 seconds of silence. Mm. And, and, and I have stories like that running into the 30s, and 40s mm. of instances while I was working, growing up, mm. mother, married, and as many instances like that mm. have happened to me at Spencer mm. as a volunteer coach and running Spencer mm. and representing Spencer at England hockey events mm. where I would turn up with my Spencer jacket mm. uh, and my name mm. and be asked if I was in the right queue for yeah, yeah. delegates. Mm. Um, and part of everything that's happened over the last year after yeah. Droid Floyd is making people aware that um, of what privilege is. We, we're yeah. going to go touch on it. Privilege is about not having to think about the things that you're doing that you feel are just 
everyday part of your life. So you don't have to think about the car you're driving or the clothes you're wearing or the music you're playing or the food you're eating Mm. because you are so secure that nobody is going to look at you and question you Mm. that you just forge ahead with what you're doing. Mm. When you don't have privileges, when you have to think about things Mm. that are just part of your everyday life. So I have to think about what I'm wearing when I'm driving the car I'm driving. I have to think about what shop I'm going into Mm. when I want to spend money. And what we're trying to do is make our hockey community not think about the when they see a black Asian or minority person Mm. or a person from a state school coming to play their sport. Mm. They shouldn't have to think about it anymore because it should be so normal Mm. um, in the future that that these that it makes it really comfortable Mm. for those people who haven't had the access to our sport to just come and play without having to think about who they are anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm passionate about doing. It's not going to happen overnight, Definitely. but it, but Definitely that's not. what yeah. we're doing. Mm. No, I don't break down. Yeah, exactly. I've never really thought of it like that. But yeah. When you said you have to think about things, I'm like, I have to think about so much. So every much. Every single day. Absolutely. Just, just from like the way I speak, like I said, the, the music I'm, I'm playing, like what I talk about. What I got up to on the weekends, just, mm. and, oh, it's just and when it when it um what when it strikes you uh, the most is when you stop thinking about it and something happens to you. So I've always told people that when I um when I have my guard up mm. and I am ready for anything, even the small microaggressions, and I can deal with them. I shouldn't have to, but when I'm ready. I don't get affected from it. When I'm not ready is when it affects me the most. So even up to last October, when I went into a shop and bought quite a lot of stuff Mm. and the lady behind the counter didn't ask me if I was a privileged customer. And when I asked her why, when I said to her, oh, you haven't asked me. And she simply said to me, you don't look like a privileged customer. It hit me Mm. because I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't prepared for it. Mm. And I felt the tears and I felt I've got to be strong. Mm. But the reason was because I just wasn't expecting it because I wasn't prepared. And life shouldn't be like that for me. Mm. Look at me. I'm an old woman. I Mm. should have had got got through this by now. Mm. Um, But unfortunately, life is still like that, even in southwest London. Yeah, no, I I really do relate with what you're saying about the lack of expectancy, because um, like there was a very an incident that happened whilst I was at university. I was very public about what happened. Um, Playing a match. um, Playing a match. Yes. And... You started this whole process on Twitter. Yeah, I guess I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I am quite glad I spoke about it because, yeah, I, mean, I, I guess that everything was happening that was happening with like George Floyd, and it just provided the platform for me to share that. If, if that didn't happen, then I don't think I would have spoken out about it. But yeah, playing a match, um, I miss a sitter, and then someone says you only need one Negro um, off the sideline, and like 
I was just so shocked at like what they said, the explicitness of like how they said it. Um, I just didn't really know how to react. And I guess it kind of goes back to like us having to think so much about like the things that we do. Whereas for that individual, they just said it off the cuff and yeah. probably blamed it on alcohol or something like that because they were drunk or whatever. Um, so yeah, no, I, I love the fact that you guys are just trying to shift things back to a state of equal equilibrium where these sort of things and these conversations, like we actually can have them. And I do hope that if other hockey players, um, particularly, but even people in society in general that do listen to us can actually take stuff and learn from the experiences that you guys have shared and, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I hope so. Yes. For me, it's got to, it's got to the point where now, like, do you know, there was a point where it was like, you need to educate, Mm. people and mm, mm. you know let others know i just can't be bothered no, same, same. I, I don't know if you've got to that <laughs> I'm stage not, but i'm not gonna I'm teach you like, i'm not it's no i don't really want to do that because yeah. they get defensive and then i'm just like <laughs> yeah okay yeah i understand where you're coming from yeah fair. <laughs> and i'm like because they're almost asking to uh make themselves feel better mm. about the situation. Mm. They're not really asking to be educated. And learn. Yeah. And change. Yeah. Mm. Um, They're like, oh, but racism isn't that bad. And and you might say something like, oh, well, is that really? Or is it just you? Over-? And then when I talk to him about it, I'm like, whoa, hold on. Am I just overthinking it? Mm. And then... So I'm, I just don't bother anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But coming back to hockey, but coming back to hockey, I think that what can't be denied is um, statistics like um, when you look at certain clubs in southwest London and you look at the membership, uh, in my club, I can count on one hand the people that look like me. Mm. And I can, I can, um, um, say that an analysis of the, the schools that our members go to is overwhelmingly private. I mean, more than whatever more than overwhelmingly is, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. So, um, for our sport to say that, uh, hockey in London, because you know, what they then say is if you go to regions, you know, it, it's different. But we're talking about hockey in London is not a predominantly middle class sport with privately educated children. We cannot deny that. Yeah. And so if I'm going to be doing something uh, in hockey after coaching and managing my children and their teams and the club, I have to do something else. Mm. And um, I am just very lucky that I have uh, like-minded people at Spencer, Donna, Charlotte, Amretta and Karen who, who feel the same way. Mm. Um, we talked about earlier a point where you thought, oh my gosh, can we really do this? There have been many points mm. um, with people telling us, you know, 
it won't work, children won't turn up, but you know, how many are you doing? How many are you coaching? What are your numbers? Mm. Are, are we going to find any future stars? And we've had to educate people that it isn't just about how many, who's going to be a future star. It is about ac- access and um, availability and, and just giving, uh, children in our communities something an insight into the thing we're passionate about Mm -hmm. yeah i guess on a a more lighter note um where would you guys like to see the future of both of your initiatives so hockey in the city and spencer links okay for me it is um continuing with what we're doing so giving two years of coaching to year four and five children Mm -hmm. the next big step for us is the children we started off with in 2019 are coming to the end of their two years. Mm. So they're in year six. So it is about uh, a transition of mm. the children who want to into Spencer and other clubs mm-hmm. and, and, and seeing that transition through. So seeing the children into Spencer, mm. into our under 12s, seeing them transition in, seeing our members accept them Mm. but not make a big deal about it they're just hockey players who have been given the opportunity to join our club Mm. um Mm. and 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 seeing them through the whole juniors from under 12 to under 18 and changing what spencer looks like over time yeah so that you know maybe in five years time we're not predominantly a club of 600 juniors that come from privately educated schools that we mm. have a, a, a proper mix yeah. because because that's going to be good for the sport eventually yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's going to be good for the elite sport eventually mm. if you if you widen the pool uh you'll find more talent yeah yeah for sure. agreed what about for you sure. Reese? i think for us it's wanting to impact more children where mm. you know we're not bound by a club mm. uh, i'm not saying that in any bad way spencer links goes into spencer hockey club yeah um so we want to be able to impact more and more children but with um keeping the quality high mm. um, in everything we do uh, what i'd love to do and trying to make it happen is have some big uh, london community sessions because there's so many great you know initiatives in london mm. um south london east london um north london that are, are doing great things and it's like why don't we come together and mm. you know have like a, a once a month two twice a month like big session mm. um just to you know create more love for the sport give children more opportunities to play it because if you look at um our initiatives we're giving our children uh opportunity to play hockey once a week mm. uh, for Aaron for for Aaron 15 hour and a half mm. when I was at Whitgift I, I would get five sessions a week minimum yeah pretty much because yeah. I could go every single lunchtime mm. then when you get older you can do after school you might play two after school you might have a game so it's looking at seven eight sessions mm. so it's like how can we um level the playing field mm. and uh provide more opportunity mm. that's fantastic and where would you both like to see the future of hockey as a sport? That's a mad question. Yeah. Um, I would like to see, uh, um, like football, uh, as many 
household names from the black, Asian and minority ethnic communities mm. as there are on the men and women's side mm. so that when uh, children at Hockey in a City, Spencer Links and all the other outreach programs uh, think about what they want to do in the future, it's because there is a... Raheem Sterling, there yeah. is, uh, you know, all, all the, a Smith. A, a Smith, <laughs> but, but there are as many, as many players that they look up to and think, that's what I want to be. Mm. That's where our sport needs to be. Yeah. Um, you know, we need children to sort of, and, and, and therefore our governments think that hockey is a sport that is worthwhile investing mm. into schools so mm. that it's not charities yeah. that are providing these opportunities, that children can actually pick hockey just 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 as they pick anything else. Mm. Yeah. Sure. That's 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 such a beautiful image to see. What, what about you, Reese? Uh, pretty, pretty similar. I, I'd want the hockey demographic to represent the UK demographic. Like mm. Right mm. now, it doesn't. Mm. If you look at London, it's so multicultural. Mm. Hockey and hockey clubs in London, <laughs> it doesn't reflect the areas that they're in. Mm. You have clubs playing in Clapham, in Wandsworth, uh, Tolls Hill, Dulwich. Like they're all very diverse areas, mm. and it doesn't. It's not represented in a hockey club. So I think that's mm. definitely one thing. Um, I think we need change um, higher up to actually have you know. Um, sustainable change um, mm. at the grassroots level. Mm. You know, there's only so much myself, Marcia, other people can do. Like We need um, the backing from big corporations and um, and that needs to come from people within the national governing body um, who have similar visions to us, mm. who are switched on mm. um, and are open-minded as well. Mm. So, yeah, that's, that's really and truly my... Um, yeah. No, I really do love that. It, it paints such a nostalgic and heartwarming image for me in my head because I guess like growing up um, as a young hockey player as well, there weren't many, well, there weren't any like other black hockey players that I could look up to apart from Darren Cheeseman. And I remember um, being in like year nine, I was like 14 or something like that. And just randomly coming at this point, I guess like my passion for hockey started to grow like to the, to the point where I was like okay like imagining what it would look like to play for England and all that sort of stuff um and I remember just coming across a picture of him and I was just like so wowed and amazed because I'd <laughs> never seen any other black person hold a hockey stick apart from the guys at my school and the fact that this one was in a Great Britain shirt I remember looking at you remember T Janries? Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. We, were sat, we were sat in like a science <laughs> class and we were just like amazed like <laughs> And I, 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 I'm probably a bit embarrassed to admit it, but I had a picture of him up on my wall, like in my room. <laughs> <laughs> but as in, like, that's how much it meant to me because it was like, wow, like, okay, like, this is something that can actually happen. Um, sure. So, yeah, like, with initiatives like Hockey in the City and Spencer Links, hopefully that's the sort of direction that the sport can go in. And I do wish both of you the best as well with, with everything that you're doing with them as well. 
I th- I find for, for how old both of you are, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm doing this in my 50s, but you, I just look at you and think the energy you two have got, I just don't even know if I had it in my 20s. <laughs> but also the brilliance of your coaching and analytical minds, especially with Reese, how he oh, thinks about things, definitely. how he thinks about coaching, how yeah. he thinks about playing. Yeah. Um, it seems effortless to us at mm. Spencer Links. It really mm. does. Mm. Um, and how he's always got a smile on his face but i know how that's sometimes difficult as well you know to keep positive and to keep smiling when we know what it takes to be that person Mm. but i have to be like it as well so i am going to finish by commending both of you because i think you are both huge inspirations to me definitely to uh the people within our sport who are striving for change you are both a huge inspiration you've got to keep driving at it and to our children uh, most definitely a big inspiration so thank you oh, thank you Marcia. that means a lot uh, wonderful Marcia. that means Much a lot appreciated yeah big love well i had so much fun recording that with Reese and Marcia. so much insight so much honesty so much candidness um, if you enjoyed that, please do follow us on Instagram at rooted and established underscore. Use the hashtag rooted and established and share with your friends, family, all that good stuff. Peace. Bye. Bye.